Welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast. This week, my pal Dominic Brown talks to climbing legend Steve McClure. Known as one of the best rock climbers in the world, Dom talks to Steve about how he started out in climbing and how you can get into the sport as well. We also find out how to get stronger if you've been climbing for a little while, and then we talk to Steve about when he felt most alive whilst out climbing. Before we dive into the conversation, here's a short word about our friends at Whereabouts Holidays. I want to give a big shout out to Whereabouts for being our season sponsor of the Outside and Active podcast. Whereabouts are a newly relaunched travel agent sending people on their bucket list adventure holidays every year from epic explorations, boundless backpackers to camper cruisers. You really will dig their tours. Visit whereaboutsholidays.com now. Whereabouts are you going? And now back to our conversation with Steve McClure. We'll we'll start with that. Um, For the environment, we spoke before this about uh, COVID changing the, the way that people think about travel and are more aware of the footprint they're leaving on the environment is that something that 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 you thought about in those last couple of years because you say you travel travel a bit as well for work yeah so I mean I I, I travel I do travel a lot for for most of my work which is generally in the UK to be fair and I do get the train to nearly all of the work that I go to Uh, that's a combination of you know environmental but also it's more convenient to get the train to be honest but I do think the last couple of years people it's it's building, isn't it? The, you know, the the respect for nature and the environmental issues. And one of the good things about the last couple of years is we were stuck at home, and we did get to really experience what is on our doorstep a little bit more. Um, I was just talking to some people the other day, and we we were mentioning the fact that stuff we did in the UK was just a filler inner mm. to the stuff you did abroad. And the stuff abroad was like the main event. And that got turned on its head, really. So the stuff in the UK was the main event. And it was great. And it was a reminder that what we have is actually amazing. And I've got so many more things I want to do in the UK now that weren't really on my list before. But now that I've sort of had them put back into my brain again, it's, you know, it's a good reminder of what we've got. Do you think people often associate adventure and and, and travel with I have to go abroad. I have to experience a different culture. I have to experience a different mindset or a different area of temperature. Do you think that's how sometimes people perceive adventure? I am pretty sure that people will perceive adventure as needing to be somewhere far away. Um, But at the same time, there's a lot of people in the UK that know what we've got here. And there's a lot of people coming from abroad (laughs) For the adventure that we've got here, we have some really good stuff. You know, Scotland is is wild, uh, and Wales and um, the Lake District are both amazing. And you don't have to to go so far to get that sort mm. of adventure kick, really. So let's talk about your journey to where you are now. You're now one of the best and most renowned rock climbers in the world. How did it start? Where did you get into rock climbing? So my entry to climbing was as easy as it gets. Both my parents super keen climbers, so. I was there right from the start, mm. right from like age zero, I guess. So it was it was easy for me. A bit more difficult for people getting into sport these days that don't have keen parents. Um, it's still not difficult. It's just I had it super easy. And why do you think there's that? Do you think rock climbing is less accessible now, or has there been improvement since kind of when you started of? oh, actually, you can kind of get into this and these are the opportunities that you have if you do. So there's a few things that have changed. First of all, I think getting into climbing 
has never been so easy because of the number of indoor climbing facilities. So to just be able to go to a climbing facility and, and learn how to move is is now, like, it's super easy. I mean, you know, like, there's kids' parties for everybody. You know, there's no issues with that. Most cities have got two or three walls. Yeah, but then making that step from doing that climbing for, like I said, a birthday party or, you know, we have one here at the, the National yeah. Outdoor Expo, and then going, oh, actually... Well, how can I explore this? And I guess it's about the signposting from there to then get people or get kids and young people into climbing from that from that kind of pathway. Into the outdoors. Yeah. So I think it's probably easier than it used to be, but there's a few things that are making it a little bit more tricky in some instances. There used to be a real emphasis on clubs. If you go back like 40 years, everywhere had a climbing club and you join the club and you go out with the members and they would sort of show you the ropes. Now, clubs are definitely sort of diminished these days. However, there's so many opportunities to to get yourself involved with things like the BMC, the British Mountaineering Council. There's a lot of people that will take you out, and there's also a lot of university clubs for those that are students. That's a really good way to get out there. But information-wise, there is so much information these days, and for those that want to go particularly bouldering, which is a great way to start your outdoor climbing, it's super easy. Just get yourself a guidebook that tells you everything you need to know. Get yourself a bouldering mat so you don't hurt your ankles. Um, pair of boots, chalk bag, job done. Turn up, off you go. You touched on it there, health and safety. People may think it obviously is something that's a, it's an adrenaline sport when, you, when you're doing you know, adventures that you've done and, and climbs that you've done. It must come with, obviously, the risks of, of injury if you're, not, if you're not doing it properly. Is that a big thing that that you push as well, being being safe when you're climbing? Yeah, so I'm not really a huge risk taker. So I, I'm, I'm quite a, a cautious. I'm an engineer, so I look at things yeah. quite carefully. And although some of the stuff that I've done might look as though it was pretty risky, I wasn't thinking it like that. I was pretty sure it was safe. And to be honest, most rock climbing, that's outdoor climbing, is relatively safe these days. Bouldering is close to the ground. You might risk a twisted ankle um, if you're unlucky. There's a lot of sport climbing, which is protected by bolts. That's safe as well. Traditional climbing has got good um, equipment. With traditional climbing, that is the area where you, you, you are risking it to some extent. But like I say, if you're careful and you understand how the, the system works, then you can bring the safety level up to a, a high level, really, and... Overall, rock climbing, I think it's lost its adrenaline sport badge and it, it doesn't really deserve it anymore. Yeah, okay. Because why do you think that is? Just because most of rock climbing is quite safe. Right. And there's the people that are climbing are not taking risks and they don't see that they're taking risks. It's, it's not like uh, base jumping or wingsuiting. That, that's risky. Mm. No, this I see <laughs> like nearly, nearly every day I go climbing, probably, you know, 19 out of 20 days I go climbing, I'm not putting myself in any risk at all. Interesting. And how are you training for these climbs? Do you just climb so often that your training is is just, you know, what you're doing on, on that daily almost basis? But when you go and do bigger bigger things and, and harder climbs, obviously you're still not taking those risks, but harder climbs, is there something that people may be listening that are climbers thinking, oh, how can I, is there something I can do to supplement my climbing to whether it's strength training or some sort of 
yoga or something like that, what can they do to help? So the, probably the first thing that an improving climber should do is just have a think about what they think is holding them back because there's a, a few sides to climbing. It's, it's a great sport because it's got a technical side, a mental side, and a physical side, and all of those three ingredients are super important. And It's key to actually just look inwardly to see really what is holding you back. And most people that I coach are held back by their, their mental side. So they, they think that they need to get stronger, but when it comes down to it, they need to just spend more time on the rock, getting used to how to move and getting more confident because getting stronger can only take you so far. And, you know, if they train like every day for five years, they'll probably be hardly any better. So that's the first thing to do. And then having, if you isolate that it's the physical side, then the key is to is to sort of stick with climbing specific exercises. So don't be tempted just to do a load of weight training mm. to get bigger muscles because bigger muscles are not necessarily the answer. So it's uh, specific muscle groups, forearms, fingers, that sort of stuff is really what's key. It'd be interesting to know a piece of advice. You've given some advice there, but I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Is there a piece of advice that you've been told or even just a piece of advice that you would have that is would be really good for someone listening, whether it be a, a literal pra- practical thing or a mindset thing, like a piece of advice that would help someone for when they go climbing. Okay. So obviously that's a pretty broad yeah. question. <laughs> so let's just assume that it's somebody who has just been climbing for a couple of years and they're new to lead climbing. I would say in most cases they will lack the, the power endurance to keep on going on routes. So they'll find themselves getting what we call pumped out so their forearms get rock solid and they can't hold on anymore. Yeah. And that's probably because they haven't got a big enough base of climbing movement where they, they're just getting sort of slightly tired in the forearms and they just need to cover a lot of ground. So covering a lot of ground will condition their forearms well, but at the same time, they'll get to move well and get used to flowing over the rock. Okay, and you've done some awesome adventures. If you could bottle one moment, whether it be completing a climb somewhere and it being picturesque or the feeling of doing, you know, of completing one of them or not even, is there a moment that you can think of that you would just bottle or have bottled and would would always remember? Yeah, I mean, I've got tons of them, to be honest. Mm. But one of the most recent ones, which was, was so cool, was just last year, actually. It wasn't even on a particularly hard route. It was a route called Cenotaph Corner, which is one of the most famous, iconic climbing routes in the whole of the UK. Uh, Graded E1. I climbed it years and years ago, and it was really special when I climbed it because it was such a famous route. And I took my kids there last year, and we, we did it together in a team on a beautiful sunny day. Nobody else at the crag, windless, no midges. They loved it. Time for it was it. just like, wow, that was just such a good day. You say you're, you're, you got into climbing because of your parents. Are your children also interested in that? Yeah, so I take them climbing. I don't push them. Mm. You know, we, we go out and uh, if they want to climb, we'll climb. If they don't, we'll run around and play. And they're not as keen as I am and I was, but they're, they're pretty good already. They like it. They'll And I reckon my young lad who's 10, he can already. <laughs> he's up there he's up there <laughs> and there must on you know on the flip side of that be difficult times you know um, 
are there any experiences that you can recall where it's just been like a really tough moment or you know a tough climb something like that yeah, I mean yeah I mean there's obviously loads of yeah. loads of that as well I mean in terms of uh there's been some accidents which um yeah let's not go into those because they're a bit dark mm. uh, there's been a few of them but there was a, a couple of routes that I've really tried to dig into routes which I've not been able to just walk up to and do like straight away routes which have taken a long time a bit like um olympic athlete might um, like a floor routine, you know, they're, they're going to practice that for years yeah. and years and then execute it perfectly on the day. So I, I've been involved with some routes that have just taken years. And, and during that process, I've repeatedly thought, this is this is too hard. Mm. Like, I, I'm not going to be able to ever do this. I've bitten off more than I can chew. What, you know, what do I do? Do I just abandon it or do I keep on going? You know, what do I do next? And you can look at it from two sides that like you can take the negatives away from that and just say, Oh, this is it's just it devouring my life. You know, I'm, 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 I'm ditching my work. I'm pushing family aside. Yeah. Or you can take the positive and say, this is really making me sort of rise to the occasion. You know, I'm, I'm training hard. I'm eating right. I'm staying well. I'm focused. You know, it's bringing out the best in me. And um, yeah, those journeys were, were amazing. Are you quite hard on yourself, competitive with yourself? Do you push yourself or is it like, yeah. actually it's about the experience or are you? No, I'm uh, hard on myself. Yeah. Um, I don't compete with anybody else. Yeah. It's, it's me versus whatever challenge I've decided to take on. And uh, yeah, I don't give myself an easy time. <laughs> do, you, do you like climbing with other people? Have you done that before? Is it mainly like, a, a, obviously you said with your children, but with if you have particular people that you often go on, yeah. on climbs with? Absolutely. I mean, the thing about the sport of rock climbing, it's it's more than just a sport. Uh, I don't want to compare it to other sports, but it's so rounded in that you've got the actual act of climbing. You've got the place you are, like you're there with nature. You've got the travel, you've got the culture, and you've got people there with you. It's always a few people, at least you and your partner. There's often a team of people so the, the bonding you have with your friendship group is great, and that is one of the strongest things about the sport. So this might be a similar question to the, the bottling, but it's, it's slightly slightly different. Is there a moment that you can recall that you felt the most alive outside? Uh, yeah, so that is, I felt very alive having just done an ascent of a route last year called Lexicon, which is pretty spicy, and if you fall off it from the top, you it's touch and go. Yeah. And uh, I had to really dig in. The last few moves, I—it all happens very quick. But I was aware as I punched, punched out those last few moves that it was right on the limit, and it was a, such a cool feeling to have got that close in that kind of situation where you really shouldn't fall off, but to keep it together as well. Yeah. So the run up to those few moves, I was totally focused and had to stay focused and do it. That when I got to the top, it was just like, whoa, yeah, that was a real rush. Mega. If, is there a split of mental to physical? Because you listen to lots of endurance athletes, whether it be ultra marathons or, or you know, adventures up and down countries, where the split is obviously you have to have that certain element of physical ability to do it. But there's so much of, so much of it is is that mental capacity to to keep pushing through. What do you say? Is that a similar thing with climbing? I mean, I think the the mental side is a huge part of it uh, in in a few different areas as well. First of all, you've got the the fear side of it. I mean, it's not natural to be 
high up on a cliff mm. and, and falling off. That doesn't feel right. Uh, being able to break that down to a rational and irrational fear is really useful because quite often you will be safe. Um, your protection will be good. So your rope is not going to break, mm. but you're still petrified of falling. So, But then you, on the flip side, if it is actually dangerous, you need to sort of know that and, and work with it. So, yes, the, the mental side is really important, but that's just one side of it. There's the whole pushing on mm. when your body's screaming to, to stop and, and, and give up. You know, you, you just got to really keep it. can do more than it can. The body can do more than you think it, it can. Yeah, my, my, I'm, that's one of my strong points. I'm quite good at digging out the last reserves. Although I usually injure myself. <laughs> <laughs> Regret it afterwards. That's, That's it. fine. Is there something that you're looking forward to now? Is there a challenge that you have coming up or a climb or something that is an aspiration to do? So there's, uh, I've got a couple of really cool trips that I'm going on. I'm going tomorrow to Greece, which is going to be amazing. And I'm also going as part of a Petzl rock trip to Greece later in the year. And both of those trips are going to be absolutely awesome. But I've got my eye on a few routes in the UK as well. So hopefully the, the weather will play ball and um, we'll get back up there again. What's the worst weather then for climbing? Is it the obvious? Worst? Yeah. Well, I mean, the worst, so this is an interesting one because there, sometimes the worst weather for climbing might not be what most people would consider the worst because there's a lot of cliffs which are really overhanging, mm. really steep, such that if it rains, it, it doesn't get wet at all. True. So... When it's raining and windy, that is actually the perfect weather. So sunny and warm is is bad. Really? Yeah, sunny and warm is bad because the, the rock, uh, the friction you get on the rock goes down. You get sweaty fingers. You know, you can't hold on as well. You want cool, crisp, breezy weather for the ultimate conditions. Ideally not with rain on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, rain is not good. But So this time of year is perfect Perfect weather. So summer, a lot of the top climbers just climb indoors to stay fit and strong, but and they abandon the outdoor climbing. Interesting. Mm. So for these challenges, where can people go to find out more about you and what's coming up and what you've done before? So for me, if you want to find out stuff, I've, I've got the usual um, social media stuff. Um, if you search my name, you find it. But places like the BMC, British Mountaineering Council, has got like tons of resources from everybody, from complete beginner, from hill walker, right through to expert. It's got competition news, it's got um, area news, it's got events, it's got the lot. Perfect, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy Greece and thank you for your pearls of wisdom. Thank you. My pleasure. Amazing. We hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with climber Steve McClure. If you want to find out more about Steve, head over to his website at steve-mcclure.com. That's steve-mcclure.com Thank you also to our episode sponsor Whereabouts who can help you find your next bucket list adventure Check them out on whereaboutsholidays.com now If you've been enjoying our podcast please do subscribe online via your favourite podcast player or at outsideandactive.com forward slash sign up to stay up to date with all of our latest news, competitions and podcast episodes Until next time, enjoy the outside